0: Welcome to season two of the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education across the globe. I'm Karen Sarah Watson. I'm not only the host, but I am a teacher. This podcast is for people who want to better understand the experience of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to season two of the Warriors of Education podcast. I am so excited today to have Alexis Shepard. She is the she is the creator of at the Afro Educator, and she is hailing from South Carolina. Thank you so much, Alexis, for coming on to this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks so
1: much for having me, Karen. I'm super excited to talk to you today, especially because we've been playing a little bit of like email tag for the last yes. couple of weeks. So I'm. So excited we finally get to have this conversation.
0: Right, you know, it's the end of the school year as we know. And so things are incredibly hectic this time of year. So it's kind of like whenever I can get my teachers on, you know, when they have an opportunity, we just grab that opportunity. So I'm very excited to have you. So can you just tell me a little bit about yourself, about your teaching experience and and then we'll kind of go out from there.
1: Sure, so I have been teaching for nine years. I'm actually wrapping up my ninth year now. And I am elementary certified, which in South Carolina means I can teach grades two through six. So I have actually taught grades two, four, and six, um, which is so funny. I've spent the most time in second grade, but my favorite of all of them is probably sixth grade. Um, I love mid sized humans and just how much deeper you can go with some of the conversations and how much more tangible, you can see the growth um, because they're in that stage of adolescence where they're absorbing everything, but then they're actually able to take it and turn it into action. So I love that age level. Um, And I have taught in two different districts and three different schools. So one district was larger and more like urban, quote unquote, I guess you could say. And then the other district is much, much more rural, a lot smaller. Um, And I've definitely seen pros and cons with both so that's just a little overview about my, my day job. And then by night or, you know, whenever I find five or 10 minutes to be on Instagram, I am, as Karen said, the Afro educator. And I have my hands in a little bit of, of everything
0: there. So tell us about the Afro educator and how you came about doing that.
1: Oh, man. So the Afro educator, it, to make it a, a short story, came out of uh, an experience that I had with burnout. So I had burned out. Um, in year four. And then I burned out again, year six. And the Afro educator was really just an attempt for me to save myself from burnout by connecting with other educators. So I never actually intended to set out creating a brand or any sort of like, I don't know, business or anything with this. I really just was like, hey, I'm going to create this you know, really unique Twitter handle. And I'm going to just connect with you know, other educators, because I felt that I was missing that connection piece. And that was kind of exacerbating the feelings I was having around burnout. So that's where the Afro Educator started. And I'll say the passion for just teacher wellness and really helping teachers step into teaching more as themselves and being more authentic came when I was on a podcast, my very first um, guest feature on a podcast, shortly after I created the Afro Educator, and I just sort of stumbled into this um, passion for helping teachers be more of themselves in this work. And that was in the fall of 2018. So it hasn't been that long, but there has been a lot in a little time.
0: I was gonna say, so you started out, I mean, you know, what I've been saying for a long time is that the issues that were were that teachers were dealing with um, were exasperated during the pandemic. So. We were already dealing with a lot of us are dealing with burnout. A lot of us are dealing with like mm-hmm. difficult administrations and you know, just not a lot of support. There's a there's um there's a, a quote that you have in there. It's a I'm gonna I just wanna tell you this quote that I saw that you have in your on your website and it says, Stop rewarding teachers with Jeans Day instead invite us to have a seat at the table and stop making decisions for our classrooms with, without our input. So I just think that that says so much yeah. about what it's been like to teach. Um, and I thought maybe you can expand on that, what you're talking about there, because I think it's really important. Yeah, It's a really important point. Absolutely. So. You know,
1: I just have over the years, especially since I've started doing the work work with the Afro educator, and I have stepped into more of the voice that I have with that, uh, because I wasn't always like that. You know, I didn't always feel empowered and emboldened to speak and say some of the, you know, some of the things that you see on, on my website and on my social media platforms. And so that really came from just like this, just noticing all of the little things that um, are done within a lot of our schools that are attempts at, you know, appreciation or attempts at uh, smoothing things over. So whether it's jeans days, whether it's donuts, whether it's, hey, we're providing you with lunch, I, I understand the intent But lately, my whole shtick has been about the impact over the intent, because people use intentions to absolve themselves of accountability and of responsibility for their actions and the ways that their actions actually impact um, and have an effect on the people that they're committing those actions towards. So one of the things that popped up for me this year was Jean's Day, because uh, the principal of my current school... Um, at the beginning of the school year, you know, we had maybe been pandemic teaching for a couple of weeks and he comes over to the intercom and is like, you know, since you guys have all been so great this week and you've been, you know, so well behaved and, um, you know, you guys have been so good during the pandemic, teacher, right? Okay. Like I, y'all can't I'm see sorry, I'm right now, but... <laughs> look
0: on, I my face. Like, I cannot believe that they're saying you guys have been so good as if oh, yeah. children, but anyway, right. keep going. Over
1: over the intercom, mind you, um, during, you know, school, this is towards the end of the day when they're making announcements, and it's so, you know, let's celebrate, let's have a jeans day, and every time there's a jeans day, there's this, like, big deal made around it that just feels really icky, because it's like, so I'm supposed to be excited about you allowing me to wear jeans, when first of all, Let's explore this notion of jeans being unprofessional, like we're in the 40s and they're only for, you know, carpenters and workmen. That That's first of all. Second of all, I know you can't think that jeans makes this better. Like most of the wardrobe that I wear to school is as comfortable as, if not more comfortable than jeans. So it's not you know, because that used to be the thing, like, oh, the work clothes are not as comfortable as jeans. Yeah, well, now clothes have come a long way, and I can be in comfort every day and not be in jeans. And and also this notion that, you know, even if I'm not in jeans, I can still appear unprofessional. And so there's a lot of just intersection there with, um, I think, some toxicity and some misconceptions and some, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll call it a little bit of ignorance. And how dare you use this idea of a jeans day or, you know, cupcakes or whatever it is to try to placate and pacify and act as though you are addressing my struggles, you know, because those are the kinds of actions that are then used later to, oh, well, we do take care of you guys. Remember when we gave y'all those cupcakes? We do take care of you. Remember when we gave you that jeans day? And it's this challenge for me to push back against that and say that's not enough
0: right so when you coach people on this do you usually say to them it's like you need to you need to bring this to the table with your education I mean how do you approach your your administrator and say this is not enough like how how would someone do that
1: Right. So I, you know, speaking from personal experience, my, you know, I'm a planner, I'm a very type A uh, kind of person. And so in the few times, um, and with this current principal, I have actually approached him on three separate occasions related to things that I wanted to bring to the table. And um, I think he recognized very early on what kind of person I was, and that um, I kind of had this natural leader Um, Affinity. And so he did place me in a position on the leadership team where I get to collaborate with other teachers and make decisions for the school. Granted, the leadership team hasn't met this year because of COVID. And so I've been a little silenced in that way because it was, um, you know, it's just not functioned the same way. And there hasn't been a lot of transparency around the fact that it hasn't happened. It just, there have been no meetings scheduled. And so I was able to infer that this wasn't happening um so so that was one avenue that i didn't that i would be remiss not to mention because i think that there is some recognition on the part of the leadership that um i have that that leadership capacity but outside of that so what i do is generally i create an outline and this is what i advise um anybody that i speak to kind of through my dms or that is actually a coaching client I go in with an outline. And that outline is not for that person, it's not for that administrator as much as it is for me, so that I can stick to my points and I can make sure that I am um, being clear about why I'm there and that I'm also offering solutions. So usually I'll go, I'll start with immediately with stating my intentions for why I'm there. I'll talk a little bit about my experience. I'll talk a little bit about where I see issues or where I think there are concerns or where I think there are problems. And then I will underline all of that with, hey, what about these possible solutions or what about these possible strategies? Can we open up the floor for some dialogue to talk about how these might impact those issues that I just mentioned and how those might have impacted that issue that I'm, you know, that I've shared with you previously. So that's kind of how I walk through that. And that's how I suggest other people walk through that because what I see a lot in our environment as teachers is we're really good at, and rightfully so, at venting and at talking about what the issues and what the problems are. But very few of us, I know before I was doing work um, in the teacher wellness space, I certainly wasn't. Very few of us are challenged to not just think of solutions, but to take those solutions and frame them in a way that we would take them to our administrators and say, hey, let's collaborate on this. Let's get together on this. This is, you know, a, A solution or a possible strategy that I'm offering and while you don't have to accept it this way here is a foundation and maybe we can build on that
0: Mm, so interesting well I also want to get into um, first of all what was it I'm just curious what it was like in South Carolina during the pandemic for you did you were you doing live teaching or were you remote how did that work for you
1: So every district was a little different, but my district was face-to-face from day one. So I have been face-to-face teaching five days a week um, at the beginning of the school year. So for the first two quarters, I did have one virtual class in the middle of the day. So I would teach face-to-face, teach online um, from my classroom, and then I would teach face-to-face again. But yeah, they they kind of threw us in there. um, And that was a decision that my district made. They thought that it was what was best. Um, So that's, Ultimately, what happened?
0: How were you? Um, and then, how were you about that? I mean, did you did that cause as much anxiety for you as it did for me in the beginning? <laughs> Listen,
1: anybody that knows me, and I know if, if my husband can hear me in, on the other side of this wall, he is like, "Oh my gosh, this this woman has no idea what she's asking," because I was irate um, because I saw it coming, and in May of last year, before we were even really talking about reopening plans. I remember just waking up just with heart palpitations so many mornings because I was already thinking about the storm that I knew would be reopening plans. And I knew they wouldn't be well thought out. I knew I I just had a feeling. And so when those plans came about and they were not well thought out, I was very angry. But again, I flew into action and I contacted my HR person. I expressed my concerns and I asked pointed questions is the district willing to assume liability for, um, you know, teachers who may contract COVID and die? Is the district uh, prepared to, um, you know, provide counseling for students and teachers who may need it for the trauma that they experience from this pandemic and from the circumstances around that? And so, you know, I could tell that that the district wasn't prepared for my questions because all of the answers were sort of, well, we really hope to avoid those kinds of situations or, um, you know, in one case, uh, cause I also attached this email and forwarded it to my superintendent and he just straight up said, listen, these are all hypothetical questions. And I was, know. Yeah. I mean, and it was, yeah. it was, it was incredibly frustrating. And so I did actually request to teach virtually and I submitted, um, my doctor also recommended that I teach virtually and I was denied. So there was like, an additional layer of frustration, and yeah, so that was a long answer to your question. But yes, I was incredibly frustrated, and I still experience a little bit of frustration around that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think also in South Carolina, I mean, the rules. I'm not sure if it was it's um, it's more conservative leaning. I'm not sure if education there is more conservative. Okay, slightly. <laughs> no, no, not not slightly. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I figured. I figured. Um, so let's, I want to get into also the issues of, first of all, what it was like to how you had to adjust your coaching to the anxiety and the pressure of online teaching. And also even more importantly, what I would want to get into is about what happened around the social justice issues. Because we had George Floyd and we had Black Lives Matter. and you are dealing with clients with coming up. And so I'm curious how, as a coach, you dealt with that at the time and how you're dealing with it now. Yeah. So um, first things first is I took a huge step back
1: um, because I recognized that I was in a place where I was really even unable to do for me. And while I had all of these ideas, ideas swirling about you know what i could say or what i could do or how i could also help people through this i had to take a huge step back i mean for most of the first half of the school year i would say not the total first half but definitely that first quarter and into that second quarter and i just had to be introspective and i had to sort of get myself together we're in the midst of pandemic teaching dealing with this trauma and then i am in in an area and in a state really where um, I don't necessarily have leadership or people around me who are asking, how are you and who are talking about and processing a trauma too. So I had to find, you know, outlets to be able to do that so that I could function in my capacity and in my role as a teacher. Um, so that's what, what that looked like first off. And then dealing with clients and dealing with other people, it looked like creating space to listen and to process that trauma together. And then it looked like helping people establish boundaries so that they can increase their capacity to process trauma, to take care of themselves, to um, you know, understand what that looks like to communicate that or choose not to communicate that to their coworkers or to their students. Um, and also talking about how, because where I am, you can imagine, um, it is pretty conservative. And it can be tricky to figure out how to weave that into the curriculum, because we don't have any curriculum that directly addresses social justice, equity, diversity, or any of that. So all of that is done independently. And most of the people that I work with are not from here, and they have a little bit more flexibility where that's concerned. But there are one or two people who are from this area um, that I have worked with where it's like, Hey, you know where we are, you know, what our scenario is, how are we able to still do this? And so I also do a little bit around providing strategies and, um, framework for people to be able to have these conversations with students. So one way that I do that, for example, is I watch CNN 10 with my students every day, because it is a, you know, subjective, um, or objective, rather, news source, that's supposed to be straight down the middle news. And then I'll use those current events to frame other questions. So there was a scenario, for example, where they did talk about um, the murder of George Floyd, and I was able to frame some questions. So it was almost kind of like, hey, this is just a reflection based on this instead of looking like a very pointed out of nowhere, I put that in air quotes, um, but a very pointed out of nowhere agenda. Generally what I find is that if you can attach that work, that social justice work to something in the curriculum in some way, it gives you more of a basis to stand on and it looks less like you have an agenda, which is, you know, it seems to be what so many people are concerned about and so to summarize (laughs) giving people space to process their trauma and processing it with them and letting them know like hey i'm i'm still working through this too and i definitely vacillate between you know feeling okay and being sad and being really 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 angry so that was kind of that that first layer of that and then that second layer of that is okay What about you and what boundaries can we create that increase your capacity to be able to do this and to be able to manage this? Because, you know, we're not talking every day or even every week. Um, And then three, what does this look like to bring this trauma and this process into your classroom? Again, everybody doesn't want to, but a lot of educators, especially educators of color do. What does that look like? What does that look like making your fourth, fifth, sixth grade students understand what this community is experiencing and what that looks like and how they can be a part of change in the future.
0: Great. Did you um, get support from your administration on this? I'm curious, like in a conservative, I'm so curious in a conservative environment, um, it is so charged bringing up uh, bringing up issues of race that as a black educator, um, what did you come up against? It's a lot. <laughs> it's a big question. <laughs> it is
1: okay. So let me let me first be very clear about any work that I've ever done, which is pretty much every year that I've taught around social justice or around race or around um, you know unwhitewashing history. I'm a forgiveness rather than permission kind of person. And I have enough confidence in my ability as a teacher and in my relationships with my students and in my just competence as a professional that I feel that I can do this, that I can create conversations around this in a way that will um, not generate so much like aggression and backlash. So to say, you know, did I get support? No, but I didn't ask for it. I just kind of, you know, closed my door and I do what I do. And Um, You know, I make that choice because I know that, you know, if there are consequences, I feel firmly that I have the grounds to stand on. When I look at the standards, when I look at what my kids are supposed to do, I'm an English language arts teacher. And so for me, all of my work around race and diversity and social justice and equity in the classroom comes through this lens of, you know, speaking and listening, being able to speak your truth, being able to listen to other perspectives, and then being able to take that reflect and then do something with it. I feel like they're so integrated. And I'm also very transparent with my students that, you know, even though the academic things are important to me, I also want them to be better humans. And we can't just expect that to happen. We have to create space for that to happen. We have to teach our students how to do that. We have to model that and we have to allow them to have experiences with that and engage in that as well. So I've never asked for uh, permission, but I've also never received pushback from any administrator I've had either. Now, recently, I did, um, and I I don't know if you saw this on Instagram or not, but for Teacher Appreciation Week, (laughs) uh, we received spray tan discount coupons. Oh, I did not see that. Uh, Well... Well, listeners, if you can't see me and you can't tell by the Afro educator, I am beautifully melanated and I don't need help from the sun.
0: Uh, but insane. we got that is insane. Oh we God. got
1: spray tan discount coupons in our mailboxes. And, um, you know, it was an equal situation because everybody got them, no one was left out. But I, you know, I felt strongly enough about the fact that these were placed in everyone's boxes. And I'm not the only educator of color at my school. There are, we have about 50 staff and there are about five of us um, who are black or brown. Yeah. And that's, and that's high for my area. That's, I mean, we have schools in our district that have none. So yeah, that's,
0: I'm just, just really quickly. And then I'm going to go back What is the breakdown of students? Um, What is the the cultural breakdown of the students?
1: Uh, we're about 25% uh, okay. African-American. Okay,
0: all right. We'll go back. Um, sorry, about the teacher. So, Oh, no, you're good. So, um, oh my goodness, I lost my train of thought. So we were talking about the spray tan.
1: Okay, so even though it's not like somebody had come to me directly and said, here, have this spray tan coupon, it was placed in everyone's mailbox, right? So there's this like lens of equality. We're being fair. We're giving everybody the opportunity to do this. And as I'm looking at the spray tan coupon, so it was 25% off a spray tan coupon, or 10% off of any hair service from the Bombshell Salon. Now you can imagine what the um, employees at the Bombshell Salon looks like. Right. And I know that if I were to walk into the Bombshell Salon, there's not anything they're they're going to be able to do that I'm going to be confident about with my hair, right? And and the spray tan is is obsolete. And so while I understood that, like, yes, you know, my coworker across the hall from me, um, who is a white woman, while she may get the spray tan coupon and be like, oh, I'm not going to use this. This isn't even the salon I go to. She at the very least has the option to use it and know that she would be able to be serviced in a way that she could be satisfied with. She's going to a place that knows how to work with her hair or that can provide services for her that are going to benefit her. I am, and my other, you know, black colleagues can't necessarily do that. And so I had this urge to address my principal about this issue. Like, you know, Hey, I understand that this was well-intended. You were trying to, you know, I I guess provide, you know, a a discounted, you know, service, um, you know, to teachers to show appreciation, which let me just say that the day before that we had gotten pencils, one pencil, not a pack.
0: Listen, we didn't get anything for teacher appreciation. The parents gave us a lunch and then they just ignored us the rest of the week. So a pencil is still something. So I get it. I get what that's like with administration. But still, did you approach your administrator about
1: it? I did. So I wrote him a letter. Um, actually, I wrote the team a letter and I just said, hey, I want to open you up to this perspective. Um, you know, being a part of this community, when I was hired here, I was told that is that the school culture is important and that it's something that you're invested in. And so this is a way of um, you know, me shining a light on something that you may not even be aware of in hopes that this is something that maybe you'll reconsider in the future. Um, you know, If this is something that you feel like would be a great takeaway for staff, why not just send out an email, say, hey, there are some coupons in the baskets in the, uh, you know, in the workroom. If you'd like to um, you know, have some, please, you know, feel free to take them. And I was trying to point out this idea of equality versus equity because I can assure you that me, nor any of my other Black colleagues, would have been offended if we had not received the spray tan hair salon coupons. And so I sent this letter, and the response that I received was, um, you know, hey, sorry if you felt uh, offended. Um, will think about this moving forward thanks and that was that and there hasn't been any other conversation um there hasn't been any other conversation around it I think that and with this particular administrator I think that there's also some I, I don't know maybe denial uh because he has been in some work situations where he was Uh, like the only white administrator in a predominantly black school. And so I think that he feels like maybe there's some feelings for him around, you know, him being for the culture and feeling like, you know, he can kind of absolve himself of any impact that was there because of that. And so I think there's just this, and not just with him, but I think with a lot of white people, especially here in, in conservative America, that, um, like if we don't talk about it, then we don't have to feel the shame around it. We don't have to look in the mirror and think about whether or not, you know, about what our actions are doing to other people and we can just avoid it, you know, just avoid it
0: and it'll go away. That's that's sort of the... Right. I mean, that, that feels like trauma to me um, just to hear that from you, even though it's a very small incident, it just feels like I, I would feel, I, I, I just know that I, I would, I take that personally, like, as if that, you, you know, as if you don't matter, it, it, that, right. that it's like that you're not taken into consideration. Right. Right. And you're coming from, you're, you're coming from being, you're, you're a coach to people, to help people with burnout and you're dealing with your own. So what, what was that like for you? <laughs>
1: well, um, it actually motivated me to, go bigger. And I decided to go to my district and I decided to craft another, (laughs) but still equally as passionate uh, letter. You know, I really pride myself on, I have been told by other people that I have this way with words where I can still communicate like the sort of rawness of an emotion without the blame and the aggression. So when I feel like impassioned or empowered or inspired by, you know, really anything. I kind of, you know, that that's my thing. I go to my words. And so I wrote this letter to my district and I thought, you know, this was a teeny incident, just like you're saying, but my district also needs to be made aware. So the district that I work in is actually the district that I attended as a kid from K through 12. And my, my educational experience in this district was that I was, for the most part, the only Black child in a class and that hasn't changed you know at the beginning of the school year before we had um, a student transfer here uh, in one of my classes i was again the only black face it's me and then it's you know 17 white children which is a problem because our community is more representative than that and um it doesn't make sense that in 1996 i was the one uh you know black face in the room and that 20 some odd years later, that's still the same. And so I thought, you know, I'm gonna go to my district and I'm just going to, again, share perspective, not about the tanning incident, but about just black trauma, what our black students experience and how we can do better for our black and brown students. You know, last year after the protests and, and the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd's murder, my district didn't even release a performative statement about, you know, diversity or equity or, you know, not, not even internally, not internally, not publicly. It just was like it never happened, right? Like there was no conversation about it, which is hard because then when I go to my students with that or when I want to talk about that, you already feel like there's not space to process it because the place that you work for is, you know, not having it. And so I went to the district and I, you know, was able to get on the agenda for a school board meeting. And I, I spoke there and I gave remarks related to diversity and equity. And um, I challenged the district to, um, when they go to rewrite their strategic plan, to include some diversity initiatives and some equity initiatives, because there are none. And our strategic plan for our district is about 200 pages. And those words don't, don't even appear, um, you know, within it not diversity, equity, equality, um, none of that. And so my challenge was, you know, maybe rethink that, Um, you know, maybe think about investing in curriculum that helps us support our black and brown students, invest in uh, ongoing education that will help educators recognize implicit biases and the way that that comes across to, Um, You know, all of our students having educators become more culturally responsive and recognizing that when someone uses a certain slang term with you, they're not disrespecting you that's that's actually a compliment right but that comes from education and having that knowledge and so I went to my district with this, and um, naively, (laughs) I thought that it was going to go well and at the the meeting it was fine. you know they said thank you for sharing your concerns and i had a seat you know you could hear a pin drop in the room and the backlash let me tell you letters to the editor were published in the newspaper um five members of our local republican party then attended the board meeting the next week to express their concerns on critical race theory and that's become a huge thing now and yeah. um, you know so And then there was no follow-up. So after my commentary, there was no no follow-up, no, hey, you know, heard your comments at the board meeting, let's speak. And that was May, like early May, May 7th or 8th when these remarks happened. And so there's been this whole hurricane of comments and this flurry of newspaper articles and rebuttals and rebuttals to rebuttals. There was a letter to the editor published that asked me to prove that I had experienced trauma as a Black woman. Wow. Yeah, and so, <laughs> and that was, you know, and that was recently, that that was just last week. And that's been hard,
0: that's been really hard, hard to deal with. That is um, unbelievable, but I'm really not surprised at all. I mean, I'm not surprised you come from a conservative state, but I just, I wanna give you like major kudos. And I mean, you are the change that the world needs to see, and so no matter what you're doing, you are absolutely on the right path. And it's a it can be a lonely path, but if you don't do it, who's going to do it? You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that you have a voice. You have you know you have a you you're a big presence on Instagram, and um, you know you have a social media presence. You have an incredible website. Um, and you are helping other teachers and i hope that through that you are getting feeling empowered because i am so sorry that you have to deal with that at all but i hope you never stop talking i really hope that this doesn't um silence you because that's yeah. what they want yeah 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 it's, it's definitely what they
1: want first of all thank you so much i'm so grateful for that because i And uh, what you said about it can be a lonely path resonated with me so much because this has really been uh, the very first time, like I've always known that, you know, cerebrally, but I've never really experienced it in such a real way where I felt like, you know, I look to the left and I look to the right, you know, when I'm in my classroom or when I'm in that community, because thankfully I live in a different community than the one that I work in. But, you know, still I I grew up there and to know that you know, if I go to any kind of public facility there, I just kind of always feel like I'm exposed and like, you know, I am a- alone in that. And so thank you so much for acknowledging that, because that part is hard. Um, but also. They'll, they'll never get me to shut up. I've always been a talker. <laughs> I plan to remain a talker. And I know that that talking and that words and that speaking up for myself and on behalf of others is a part of what I was placed here to do. And so I do feel incredibly empowered by that. But I also feel incredibly, incredibly grateful that I have people like you and this like phenomenal community that I have on Instagram um, and online who um, you know are there to just like give those gentle reminders like, hey, just want to let you know that what you're doing matters. It makes an impact, it makes a difference. And there's if there's not space for you anywhere else there is space for you here. And
0: you're making an impact on the black educators at your school. They're just not talking. People Mm. are too afraid to talk, but I Mm -hmm. I guarantee you're making your, um, you are influencing people, but they, they're just too afraid to speak. And you just have Mm. to have that to know that. Mm. But, um, I mean, I think the work you're doing is incredible. I, um, you know, I really, I'm going to post everything that you're doing. I think, I think you will help I think it's going to help a lot of teachers who are in communities like you, who do want to speak out about, you know, staying within your power, speaking truth to power, which is exactly what you're doing. And it's incredible. And, um, and again, you're, 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 you're helping people and hopefully that's helping you too, to give you strength to move through these really difficult times, but necessary. It's necessary what you're doing too. So i just, I honor you so much and the work that you're doing and I'm just so glad you came on this podcast and shared what you were doing for educators, but, um, I think everyone's going to get a lot out of this. So I, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the Warriors of Education podcast. And, um, is there anything you want to, um, like, so I I will post your, um, your site. It's the Afroeducator.com. Yes. That's your, that's your website and Instagram is the Afro Educator. Are you on Twitter too? Is that where you are?
1: I am. I am on Twitter as well and on Facebook and it's consistent throughout the Afro Educator and y'all, I love connecting with people. If you slide in my DMs, I will engage you in conversation till the cows come home. And I love that, you know, I'm I'm still at a point where I can do that. And that's something that I value. So hop on over and join me on one of those communities. I would love to engage with y'all around all things, teacher wellness, social justice, authenticity, and just speaking truth to who you are and all of the things that that looks
0: like. You are awesome. Thank you so much, Alexis, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into Warriors of Education. This podcast is produced by me, Karen Sarah Watson, edited by Eliza Renzi, and recorded in Brooklyn, New York. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you download podcasts. If you are a teacher or know a teacher who would like to share a story, contact us at warriorsofeducation at gmail.com or on our website, warriorsofeducation.com. Teachers, we hear you, we see you, we honor you. Thank you.